The scripture for today is found in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And forgive me, I think there's one verse that is missing, so I'll read that. It may not be on the screen. And it reads, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. And the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emiel at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul... And to all of his house, I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. That is the word of God for the people of God. Most gracious God, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, for seeing beyond our faults and yet meeting our needs, God, for your Holy Spirit that is here right now that will illuminate this word for all of us for such a time as this. So anointing fall fresh that the power of the Holy Ghost permeate this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I believe that this particular scripture uh, uh, deserves some background information. You know, we, we look at the, the, the scripture and we find some interesting characters. Now, in the very beginning, it says, is there anyone that I can show um, kindness to for Jonathan. Now, what many of us may know, some of us may not, is that David and Jonathan, when they were in their youth, were good friends. They were such good friends that when King Saul, who was Jonathan's father, wanted to kill David, it was Jonathan that helped to keep David safe. 
It was a friendship that went beyond the superficial. It was a friendship rooted in love. It was a friendship that, that caused them to make a promise, a very covenant to one another, that this type of connection would extend far beyond their years into the generations to come. Now, the other character that we find in this particular portion of Scripture is Mephibosheth. He is of the house of Saul, but he is the son of Jonathan. What we find is in, in, in looking at how things are constructed and the time frame in which this is written, he should be one that is heir to the throne. He's in that lineage. He, he is a part of that family, but for some reason, he is nowhere near the palace, nor does he seem to have the right to be there. And that reason is one that, that drove him away. That reason is one that caused him to see himself differently. That reason is one that caused many of us to overlook him even in Scripture. And that reason is this. At age five, he was scooped up by his nurse trying to keep him safe as people were seeking revenge on Saul's family for the, the, the things that Saul had done, and she dropped him dropped him in such a way that, that he became lame in both of his feet. And let's just be honest, in this time frame, a king was one that was strong, of great stature, one that could be viewed as an authority figure, one that was not afraid, one that was a warrior. And quite frankly, if you can't stand on your own two feet, how can you be viewed as a king? And that brought me to where we are today. Because that one instance changed everything for Mephibosheth. That one drop, that one mishap, that, that one moment in time began to shape his life into a reality that was never designed for him. And that's where we arrive at our title for today, Who Dropped You? I was in a restaurant earlier this week. And I begin to, to talk as I often do, and the waitress walks up to me, and I, I said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm fine. And I said, no, you're not. And she said, excuse me? And I begin to say, well, I, I feel impressed of God to tell you, and, and I shared a word with her, and she literally began to hold back tears. And in that moment, uh, she began to open up. Like, like she never expected, and begin to tell me about some challenges that she was facing in that very moment and day. Now, me being me, I proceeded to ask questions like, so where did you grow up? Tell me about your parents. Well, what did you enjoy in school? Were you popular? Were you bullied? Uh, um, what were you passionate about when you were younger that you no longer have a passion for now? And after spending several moments at the table talking to me, she steps back a little bit and she says, I have a question. I said, okay. And she said, why is it that I present these as issues and you begin to ask me questions about stuff that has nothing to do with them? And I said, what you fail to realize is this. You want me to fix the symptoms of the, the issue that you face today, and it makes no sense for me to address the issues of today if we never look at the root that's causing the problem. Because most of us suffer with challenges of today based on trauma we faced yesterday. 
Most of us have a mindset of how we approach things, not based on what happened five minutes ago, but what, what happened at five years old. We, we, we look at our lives through lenses that have been shaped by individuals that have told us that we'd never be enough, that we weren't smart enough, that we weren't beautiful enough. We, we, we look through lenses of, of, of individuals that have promised to be there and have dropped us along the way. We look through our lives sometimes with lenses uh, thinking that everybody will treat us like the one we love that wouldn't love us. It is those moments where we are dropped that it changes the very reality that we see. It is those moments where we are dropped that we begin to question things that should never be questioned. It is in that moment that we are dropped that life for us, just like with Mephibosheth, changes forever. It is so very interesting that we, like Mephibosheth, will go away in our own place and begin to reflect on the shoulda, coulda, wouldas of life. Now, some of you might say that is me making an assumption, but it can't be because he belonged in Jerusalem, but he was in Lodabar. It can't be because he was a king's kid and all of a sudden he is referring to himself as a dirty dog, one that is contempted, one that is useless, one that has no value. It is in Lodabar that he begins to form this reality that is completely contradictory to what God intended for his life. Who dropped you? We like to focus on what we are going through today, but we forget to talk about the traumas of yesterday. Who dropped you? Why do you see things the way that you see them? Why do you approach things the way that you approach them? Why do you talk to the people that you talk to? Why do you reside in the circles that you reside in? Where were you dropped? And it is in this that I begin to really look at this scripture that we read today. And I love this scripture because it presents several key things. It shows David trying to repay a promise that was, was given generation, a generation before Mephibosheth was even here. It shows David try, uh, calling Mephibosheth by name and getting him from exactly where he is. It shows David essentially adopting him into the palace and saying, you will be treated like a king's kid again. It shows David giving him such an abundant blessing that Mephibosheth says, I am not worthy of this. I am not qualified for this. I am going to mess it up. It shows King David overlooking that statement altogether, giving it no response and saying, the provision for what you need is already in place. Ziba, you and your family take care of it. It shows the expanse of the blessing that the king bestowed upon him by saying that Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, which means it's going to take a lot of hands to make this thing work, not only to sustain it, but to make it fruitful. It shows a king that looks a man in his eyes that he has not seen and says, you will always have a place at my table. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what people say. I don't care what it looks like. You will always 
have a place at the king's table. You know something? The more I really look at this, maybe the title who dropped you isn't the right one for this sermon. Maybe the title should be who picked you up. Because what we find this particular scripture is David does not focus on the drop. He does not allow uh, 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 Mephibosheth to really look at what his past what entailed. Instead, he shows him the future that is the reality of truth that God has placed in front of him. I love this, and I'll tell you why. Do you want to know? Mm -hmm. Just as King David knows exactly where Mephibosheth is, our God, the King of Kings, knows exactly where we are. Even if we go into our darkest cave to sulk and focus on the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, God knows where we are, and he is there with us. Just as King David calls Mephibosheth by name, so does our God, the King of Kings, call us by name. He said, before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, I already knew you, just as King David. Brings Mephibosheth into the house and adopts him in such a mighty way, the King of Kings, our God, has pulled us into his family grafted us in, and made us children of the Most High God, just as King David. Gave uh, Mephibosheth a blessing that he did not have room enough to receive. Our God, the King of Kings, said that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big that we ourselves could not receive it. Just as King David opens up the doors to the palace and says, you are a king's kid and you will always have room at my table, our God proclaims that we will always have a seat at his. You see, in the midst of all of our troubles, in the midst of all that we've gone through, in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of our perceived defeats, in the midst of the lie of the reality that the enemy has convinced us we should live in. It is our God that picks us up. It is our God that renews us. It is our God that restores us. It is our God that causes all things to work together for our good. You see, it is who picks us up that we should focus on. But so often we focus on the drop. We focus on the pain. We focus on the, 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 the trauma. We focus so much on it that we create a reality that says we are never good enough. And God has already said that the victory is ours. People of God, I invite you. Stop looking at who dropped you. Stop focusing on the challenge. Stop looking at the shoulda, coulda, wouldas of life and rely on the God that is always there to pick you up. The God that loves you, the God that cares for you, the God that provides for you in places that you never imagined you would ever be able to be. Focus on the God 
that looks at your broken pieces and sees the whole of who he created in the beginning. Focus on the God that said, I know you will have challenges. I know you will have issues. I know you will fall short. The God that was willing to give everything to include his only begotten son that we ourselves could have life and life more abundantly. The thing that I love about this scripture today is simply this. There is more than a chapter of the issues that Mephibosheth faced and the connections that are in place. But what we read today says none of that even mattered. There, there are verses that says that he would never be good enough to sit at the table and the verses we read today said, not only are you at the table, but you have been restored all of the land of the king that was before. If you will focus on the promise of God, if you will rely on the God of your salvation, I assure you, I promise you with everything that I have, that you will live a great life at the king's table, experiencing things that you never imagined you'd see. And the promises on your life will trickle down to the generations that follow you, just as Jonathan's promise did. For if I'm remembering correctly, somewhere in this great book that was wrapped in brown, white, rainbow, and gold paper, God said that he would visit even the fifth generation. So imagine your faith today could be the thing that propels your children tomorrow. Your, your denial of the drop and the reliance on your God could fuel the thing that your grandkids need in the years to come. The prayers that you utter could be the very thing that your great grandkids live on. It is not what you face today that is the issue that should end your life. It is the promise of God that should propel you forward. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.